Hey there, welcome to episode number 12 of the Courage Cast. My name is Andrea Crisp, and today I'm going to be chatting with Leanne Cabral about her journey to live authentically while raising four teenagers and how she has had to navigate job loss all while pursuing the call in her life to share her message of faith and family. This is an amazing conversation that you are not going to want to miss. You're listening to The Courage Cast, a show to equip and empower women to live bravely. Each week, we'll share real stories of influential women who are willing to face their fear and pursue their purpose. Here's your host, Andrea Crisp, life coach, author, and your secret weapon. This episode of The Courage Cast is brought to you by something that is very near and dear to my heart. It is my passion to empower women to live more bravely and Maybe you found yourself a little uncertain of how to move your life forward. If that's you and you're ready to reignite your confidence and change your perspective on what you're fully capable of, and if you want to break free once and for all from your limiting beliefs to live your purpose, then Breakthrough Coaching is for you. So let's have a conversation to find out what's really holding you back so that you can reframe your mindset and get the clarity you need to move forward both personally and professionally. Let's connect at andreacrisp.ca forward slash schedule. I absolutely adore the woman who I'm going to be chatting with today. She recently released her first book, A Parent's Best Gift. She's an incredibly gifted communicator and speaker who teaches parents how to cultivate faith and intentional living with their families. She is one of my trusted friends and a woman who has been a strong and encouraging voice in my life. She's also a mom to four gorgeous teens, even though she does not look a day over 25, and she and her husband James live in Toronto. You are absolutely going to fall in love with my dear friend, Leanne Cabral. Leanne, I am so excited to have you on the podcast today. I'm so thrilled to be a part of this. Thank you for asking me. You're so welcome. I cannot wait to dive into talking to you today about how you've been able to face your own fears as a mom, as a speaker, as a writer, a brand new author of a book, (laughs) and all of those things that you've been able to do and really do it well and vulnerably. So I'm so, so thrilled that you have decided. And just for um, our listeners' sake, I just kind of want to give them a little insight into how we met, which was several Mm -hmm. years ago. We were speaking at a conference. Um, I was the morning speaker. You were the afternoon speaker. And we were out in the lobby, and I think we kind of just struck up a conversation, and it was went from there. Yep. Yeah. I mean, you're pretty easy to love. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) I appreciate that. Thank you. (laughs) It was one of those moments where um, I think you had been with another speaker as well. And you guys had kind of a little bit of an entourage and I had shown up alone and you guys really took me in and it uh, it felt so good. And then we connected later. And so and I'm so glad that we did connect afterwards. Yeah, Yeah, me too. That was huge for me. Yeah, you've been such an encouraging voice in my life and someone who I really respect and really admire, look up to as both a woman in ministry, someone who is a fellow author and uh, just a voice for this generation. Um, I'm just 
so, so glad to have you in my life and a part of the podcast. So Leanne, I love how you have really been able to kind of navigate going back to work after raising a family and now your kids are teenagers and you're doing it as well as um, speaking and writing. And I just want you to share kind of with the audience, like how did that come about for you? Right. So um, I had been kind of mulling things over for a while. When my kids were super little, I had taught kinder music for a while because it's easy to bring your kids to that. But um, stuff had been brewing and just kind of thinking about like as I come from a faith background. And so as a woman of faith, it's invisible. So like, how do I, how do I authentically live out my faith before my kids is something I was really interested in and kind of spearheaded this whole thing. Um, and so that's what kind of started this. Uh, and I was just researching a few things for myself actually, but in that research, it became really clear how hungry people were for that same information. Just that really, how do you, how do you live out of faith in an everyday life situation with kids, like in the chaos in the midst of the chaos, right? Mm-hmm. So I wanted to look into that. And um, yeah, and through that, it just became clear that others were interested in the same information. And so I started sharing it and speaking it and doing workshops. And then, though I never thought I'd write a book, uh, people kept saying to me, like, why don't you put this into book form? And I remember thinking, I'm not a writer. Um, and not only that, I kind of grew up overseas. So I missed a lot of my English education. So if somebody probably shouldn't write a book, I probably shouldn't because I only think I had English up until grade four and then it was really mismatchy until probably my year before like my last year of high school so it wasn't something I felt super confident in that's for sure but I just really felt that this is the way things were moving and things began to line up and truthfully somebody funded it for me so the risk was very little so yeah I just kind of jumped into it and it was an incredible experience it it was amazing because I remember having conversations with you prior to writing the book and getting that funding and kind of the process that you were going through at the time of you know really believing for um that money to come in because it was a a substantial amount of money that you needed to write the book Um, what was that like for you in your family at that time? Like, uh, where were you at with, you know, working and your husband and your kids? Yeah. So, um, (laughs) it wasn't the best decision probably in hindsight. We found it really unexpectedly. So this is going back probably about four years ago. Um, my husband was suddenly laid off, um, in September of that year of my 40th year. And, um, we were a one income family and not necessarily like a super responsible one income family. Like we didn't have the three to six months saved up. Like we were kind of a paycheck to paycheck family. And, um, I remember thinking when he lost his job thinking, okay, I should go back to work. But remember thinking, what is my skill set? Like, what do I have to offer? Like, I haven't done this in so long. I mean, I can get a minimum wage job, which is fine. That'll bring in X amount of dollars or like I could waitress, but at least I'll get tips on top of that. Um, but it was just this nagging, this nagging sense of like, why don't you do what you actually love doing? Why don't you do what you actually feel you've been called to do? So I remember talking to James about that and saying, I know this sounds ridiculous to, to launch something that's probably not gonna make a whole lot of money in the middle of the time when we don't really have a whole lot of money. Mm -hmm. Um, but he was totally on board. He saw the value of it. And what was so great is 
I don't have a marketing background. It's not even interesting to me. Um, <laughs> James is a market, like that's his thing. So while he was off when we were launching this, he could do all the tasks that I have no interest in learning actually. Yeah. So it was a real gift to have him, you know, kind of help me do that. And we just kind of did that together. Now what's interesting is you need money to do that. So, um, probably about six weeks later, he was negotiating a settlement package. Uh, about six weeks later, he found out that the company declared bankruptcy and there would be no settlement package. Oh, wow. So that's when panic kind of set in because I just bought a brand new Mac laptop and I knew we couldn't pay for it. So you kind of wrestle, do I return it? What do we do? Do we change our plans because of temporary circumstances, really? Um, and so we just decided that, no, we're going to ride this out. We talked about our fears and whatnot. And uh, that day, uh, this guy I, I partnered with, um, we have a similar message. He called me up and say, hey, he belongs to a charity. So he said, hey, Leanne, I just want you to know that uh, 5K came in today for you to launch your ministry. Oh, wow. So, like, it was just it was just really clear that it was time to go ahead with this. Yeah. So it was one of those things where you kind of stepped out and then you saw something happen from it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. We all want to step out onto solid footing, but nothing exciting really happens when you do that. Like, what makes a story great when, like, there's that tension of, like, what's going to happen, mm -hmm. right? So, I mean, why do we love, like, uh, like the hero's journey? Because an ordinary person suddenly has to do something extraordinary. We love that tension. It makes a good story. It's the same with this. Um, for this whole journey, the ducks were never in a row. It was just you would step out and do something, and suddenly something else would appear that you needed. It was incredible. How did you do that, though? Like, how did you get up every day, parent be a wife, do all the things you need to do, and believe for that? That's a good question. I actually don't know. I think sometimes when you're, when you're in a situation, you just do what needs to get done. I mean, we all have the same inner like chatter of uh, like, you can't do this. This is going to, you're going to be a failure to launch. What are you doing? Get a real job. Like there's always that chatter in the background and you've got to decide why you're doing what you're doing. I mean, Eddie will tell you, if you know your why, you can push through this. And for me, the why was big enough to at least give this like a good go for the next 18 months was my commitment, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And what did that 18 months look like for you? Um, a little <laughs> schizophrenic because you go from like, what are we doing? I got to get a real job to no, no, this is right. We got to do this. This is great. And then you'd see things like, like money turn up for these specific things. So you're dealing a lot with, um, yeah, uh, with like the inner chatter in your own head. So knowing what is true and what's trying to derail you. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and knowing why you're doing what you're doing really will keep you focused. Yeah. So a lot about the why, like you, you knew that you really wanted the message that you had to get out. Right. And so you kind of had to keep that in, in the main focus all the way through. Yeah. Now, whatever yeah. happened with, um, your husband's job after all of that. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So six months of unemployment, uh, there was no income for two and a half months and there was crazy things that would happen. Like, I mean, you have the 5k that came in for the ministry. Then, uh, we show up at church one day and I was really careful how I told the story because I can evoke a response from you. And I certainly don't want to manipulate anybody. Um, 
but we showed up to church one Sunday and this couple just handed us $2,000 and said, Hey, you guys have got to have expenses, like do with this, whatever you need to like, who gives somebody that much money? Right. So like there was just these things that happened. Um, I totally forgot your question mid thought. I'm so sorry. (laughs) No, that's that's amazing though. Like how, uh, what happened to your husband's job, but I love how you guys were provided for. Oh my gosh. It was crazy. We never went into debt. He didn't get his first EI check until just before Christmas. Like, how is that possible? Like it was ridiculous. That's a whole other story that that's ridiculous. But, um, he was hired in March Mm -hmm. and he took a 40% pay cut, which was really tricky for me to work through because I felt like we got sent back to start. So we are now living on less than what we made like 20 years ago when we got married with four more dependents. And that was tricky, right? So uh, yeah, he is working now. He loves his job. It's great. And we've just actually learned to live with less and live on a smaller income. Now, I really, I want to go there. I I think this is like um, so important for people to hear, but living on less, you and I are around the same age. We're in our 40s, our early 40s. Right, right. (laughs) So young at heart. Um, (laughs) But having... Being in a place in your life in your 40s when you thought you would be somewhere else is very difficult. And feeling like you just said going back to start is something I feel like so many people experience and don't talk about. Right. And because it's, um, it can evoke shame, it can evoke so many feelings. Can you talk to me about like what was that like for you as a woman? as a mom, as a wife? Yeah. I, my first kind of response to it was frustration because I feel like we put time in, you know, you kind of have this expectation of how life will go for you. And we didn't have like expectations of grandeur. Like we weren't going to Turks and Caicos. Yeah. Um, but like you have this expectation of how your life will progress and it didn't. So there was, like, I did feel embarrassed. Like I felt ashamed. I, I was angry. But what ha- what I realized was when I, when I was in my house, I was fine. But when I started comparing where we were in the game of life to where other people, like same age and stage as, as, as us, or even people who were way younger than us, who were doing way better, right? Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> when that discontentment would kind of seep in. And you're like, wait, hold on. Like, I've got to keep my eyes in my own lane. Like, this is the lane I've got to swim in. So, like, I need to focus on my own lane and just with what we have. Like, this is this is the pool we're in. Let's swim in my lane. I love that because honestly, I can completely relate to that when you said something about um, uh, thinking about, you know, even people that are younger than you, like how have they gotten so far when, when I feel like, you know, I've had to restart. And it's interesting because I feel like, um, well, in my forties, I restarted too and decided to take a whole new career path and um, that that was like being 20 all over again yeah. and being like, can I do this? And the comparison is sometimes a little bit overwhelming. And yeah. um, man, like I just I love that you, you said that. Um, so how have you been able to navigate the comparison with your kids? 
Right. So do you mean in terms of parenting or like how they compare themselves with other people? Well, how they compare themselves, how they compare your family life maybe with others or (laughs) what do you talk to them about? Right. Because we've made choices that directly impact them. Mm -hmm. Right. So we are a one income family for the most part. I mean, we're one and a half maybe, but not a great, you know, competing with kids in a two income world. Right. So yeah, my kids will kind of go like, can you go back to work and get a real job? So it's hard to explain to them that we've made choices that they may never see the value of actually. But we, like James and I, have to do what we feel is right and what we're being called to do, regardless of if our kids agree with us or not. So have our choices impacted them? Absolutely. You know, do their friends get to go on different vacations? Of course they do. But I also want my kids to know that, like, we are the richest 5% of the world. Like, if you live in a house, we're the richest 5%. Like, we are the wealthy in the world. Yeah. So, like, I don't know. This quest for more... I get it, and I, but I just don't want to get caught up in that race. I don't want them caught up in that race. At some point, we just got to be happy with what we have, and there's got to be a different way. Like, I think we're all hungry for peace and for stillness. So how can we cultivate that instead? I don't know. It's tricky. Now, I want to read something out of your book because I read it this morning. It was super profound to me. So mm. give me a second here. I'm going to just read it for you. Sometimes it's not so much the friendships we covet, but marriages or family life. Seeing someone else's husband doting on their wife can be like salt in a wound when your marriage is struggling. As I write this, it's back to school week for us, and while my social media feed was saturated with celebrity parents and smiling kids on their first day of school, I dropped my 13-year-old off to her first day of high school in tears. Wires had gotten crossed and her friend was late, and now she was terrified to enter the great unknown of high school alone. I fought back my own tears as I gave her my best pep talk, desperately trying to convince her that she would be okay. Courageously, with a tear-stained face, she exited the van and walked towards her biggest fear. I spent the rest of the morning crying and interceding for her, a stark contrast to the images on Facebook that I so wanted to be our experience. Yeah. I literally have chills reading that a second time today Mm. it's like how do you process your own stuff and also that of a 13 year old right right this like parenting stuff is not for the weak of heart like it's tricky because of course we all know what it feels like to be left out we all know what it feels like not to belong so like don't think it doesn't evoke those same feelings of me being 13 which you have to put aside because you have to give this kid the pep top of her life because i suddenly realized i actually can't make you go inside those doors yes i can't make you so you know just trying to convince her that everybody is nervous on their first day and she's like i don't even know where my first class is and so i said well what's the what's the room number she goes 310 i go it's on the third floor mom how do you know that i'm like because that's how numbers work it's on the third floor <laughs> <laughs> and so just trying like just find a kid who seems to know where they're going and follow that kid and it's okay to say like just trying to give her the tools that she would need that if she didn't know where she was going you can ask a kid you can go to the office and ask, like, here are some tools and some strategies to get you to your first period class. And if you're late, it doesn't matter because it's the first day and more than likely someone else is going to get lost too. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then how do you let that go? Well, clearly I couldn't. 
So I, it was funny. I'd met a friend for coffee actually at Starbucks and she walks in and she's not a terribly emotional person. She walked in and I burst into tears and I've never made somebody so uncomfortable. Like she didn't know what to do with me because I couldn't let this go. But funny enough, like just to be the end of the story, I get back home at about 1130 and there's this text from, or this phone call, this message from, from my daughter just saying, Hey mom, I'm just wondering if a friend of mine and I can come over after school today. Like she was totally fine. Totally fine. And meanwhile, right? you're having a, like a minor breakdown. Of course I am. Like I've got worst case scenarios going through my brain the entire time. Oh my goodness, this kid's left out. She'll never be included. Whatever it may be, right? Yeah. Like that, I think it just takes it to a whole other level when I think about, you know, having to have courage for myself, but then thinking about for other people, little people, yeah. in your case, they're a little bigger now, but yeah. That brings its own set of things. I know your oldest daughter is in university now mm-hmm. and, you know, even kind of going out on her own and just hoping and, and for the best and praying for the best for her. How do you navigate even like them moving on? Yeah. So I'm not sure I've navigated it so graciously. It's tricky. This whole emerging adult business. Um, I'm not so great at it yet. So I'm just, I'm learning. My husband's way better. I didn't realize I was such a control freak, but clearly that was no news to anybody else in my, in my family. But you realize like, as you're like, as you have this emerging adults, they need to make their own choices Yeah, and they need to like, they need to experience their own failure, their own success so that they know how to move forward. And as a parent, you kind of want to like protect them and like it's kind of like bowling you want to put the like the guardrails down so they can just get to where they need to go but they're not learning anything that way so for me it was a great lesson in stepping back and trusting like I know my kids right so trusting who they are like they've made fairly good choices they probably will continue to make fairly good choices and even if they don't like what's at the end of that? So then we deal with that. Like it's not the end of the world. Like they need to be able to like fail and make those bad choices if they do, or they saw that safety net of home, right? Right. So yeah, and just trusting that, I mean, as a woman of faith, there are days that I do pray, Holy Spirit, you live in, you know, him or her, like you make them feel bad when they're making bad choices <laughs> or make them feel good when they're making really good ones. And that I think that's really the only thing. And it's kind of like hands off because you can only do what you have control over which really as the more I I learn and the older I get I realize is less and less I have really no control over anything and um, so I can imagine being a parent would probably feel a lot like that but amplified yeah yeah I mean you just kind of learn to like the one thing I do have control over is my response so like I get to choose how I respond to you or what, like, or respond to the emotions, positive or negative, that you may evoke, right? So I can control my response to you. And that's the only thing I can model, really. So I got to choose wisely. I think that's great advice for any relationship, really. Yeah. You know? Yeah, true. I only have, you know, I can, I can respond in a certain way. And so whether it be a boss or a, a significant other, a friend, um, someone you're working with, whatever it is, we have a responsibility to our own response and and maybe not so much anything else. Now, 
I love your message. Um, I love the book that you've written. It's so good. I am definitely going to put it in the show notes. People can purchase it on Amazon. It's called A Parent's Best Gift. It is so good if you're looking to um, raise your kids in faith and intention and really, really, you're transparent and honest about that. And one of the things I wanted to ask you about is what are you most willing to fight for? in this generation? Yeah, it will be, it goes back to, when I was looking into this stuff, there were some statistics I came across and they made me really angry. And that's kind of like that discontent that propels you forward. And the one stat was like, you know, um, 90% of kids who are active in like a high school youth group no longer attend church by the time they're 19. Mm -hmm. Right. And I just remember thinking like, I won't stand for that to be true for my kids or actually anybody else's kids. Like that's what propels me forward is that this problem, because one of the key reasons that happens, you have to find out why that's happening Mm -hmm. is because faith isn't lived out like in an authentic or life transforming way within the home. Mm -hmm. So like I actually have some control over this, like we all do as parents. And so I think that we want to do what's best. We just don't always know how. And once we know how we can do differently and we can do better. And so that's really what kind of motivates me for that's something like I will continue to fight for is how to live out of faith authentically in the home. And okay, so I want to be practical about this because I feel like there's maybe young moms that are listening to this right now that are also entrepreneurs or there are people thinking about like what it's going to be like when I have my kids and whether they are starter starting on their faith journey or their their way like years and years um in it what do you say to to a parent or to someone who's wanting to be a parent about how do you live vulnerably and transparently in front of little people yeah that's a big question it's messy like home is where all the magic happens. Like the beautiful things happen there and the super messy things happen there. And I think that we can only be authentic. We have to be authentic in our home. So like when things are going well, great, we celebrate that. But when things are not going well, when I'm like responding inappropriately or when I like when I lose it, like I have to take responsibility. Like I model, I have to model like reconciliation and how to fix things. Like we all deserve a second chance and a mulligan. And so like, I need to give my kids mulligans when they say things that are inappropriate. Like, do you want to try a different way? You know, but then the other day, like my 16 year old said, uh, mom, do you need another chance to say that differently? Oh, wow. <laughs> and, and it was true because I was being like rather uncivil towards her actually. I love how she said that. <laughs> that. No, I mean, that's amazing. And it, it really gets me to thinking there are so many things. I'm not going to be super political right now, but I am going to kind of bring this up. There's a lot of things going on in the world today. And yeah. I read on Facebook just probably yesterday, a parent who had asked, how do I approach some of these um, things that are happening within the U.S., um, really racially um uh, driven a lot of negative um, comments, a lot of negativity, and raising kids and trying like how how do they do that? So whether or not it's a political thing or it's something that's happened within their high school that's been a crisis, and now you've got to navigate that with your how do you actually walk that out with your kids in faith? Like how 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 do you do that? 
Sometimes well, sometimes not so well. Um, I think it's about creating a willingness to talk about things, right? Like there's hurt. A lot of these things come from hurtful places. So like, let's talk about the hurt. Why are people hurting? You know, what's, what's a comfort or what soothes that pain, you know? And I think we all want our kids to be empathetic and to be able to treat others the way they want to be treated. And sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. So I think part of it's realized like we're on this journey where we're trying to be nicer people. Like we want to be empathetic. We want to be kind. Um, so being gracious in the sense of it's not going to happen all the time, but we are working towards something and we're working to being better at it. Um, yeah, I'm not really sure how else to answer that one. It's, it's kind of, it's, it's done. It's learned in the messy parts actually of Mm -hmm. family. Yeah. I thank you for saying that because I think it probably will help so many people that are trying to live in a really perfect little life or perfect little world to know that it is messy and it's okay. Yeah. That, that these conversations are not perfect, that um, maybe you don't say the right thing all the time and you don't get your um, the point across maybe the way you would like it to or explain something to your kids, um, maybe how you're feeling. Because maybe you're trying to process it as well as right. bring them through it as yeah. well. Yeah. How do you think your message of, you know, raising kids in faith and, or not maybe your message, but the message of that mm-hmm. will impact the lives of others. My hope is that it actually brings freedom. I think that, you know, parenting is a weighty job. Like we feel the responsibility of like producing these kids that are kind and that turn out right and be- become a part of society and have a job and like all these things. And so we feel the weight of those things and it feels overwhelming. And so the whole reason I have these talks, the whole reason I wrote this book is let's simplify this. Mm-hmm. Like what do I need to do today? Like what is one thing I could start today? You know, um, I feel like as people, we generally set ourselves up for failure. We're like, okay, I want to introduce these five new things and we're going to do all these things and then we can't do them. So I always say to parents, like, choose like what's most important to you right now. Like what's one thing that's bugging you? So for us way back when it was, it was not a lofty goal. Um, we wanted to spend one hour of quality time with one child once a month. I'm not proud of that goal. It just wasn't (laughs) happening. So that's what we decided to focus on for an entire year was to spend one hour of quality time with one child uh, once a month. Do you know that it didn't happen for an entire year? Really? Because the tyranny of the urgent always took over. Always. And it wasn't until I sat in front of my calendar and went, huh, we've never missed a doctor's appointment, that I realized that unless I schedule this in as something that's priority, it's not going to happen. And that changed everything for us. And so I always say to people, like, choose what's bothering you right now. See what you can do to fix that one piece. Do it for an entire year so it becomes habit. And then you introduce the next thing and the next thing. And before you know it, you're doing some really intentional things with your family. And you've broken down this overwhelming task into a manageable bite-sized piece. Yeah, that's that's fantastic advice. I love that. And I think I could I will take that advice. That's great life coaching. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for life coaching the life coach. I appreciate that. 
Now, I want to kind of just maybe even center in just a little bit on you for a second. And I just want to talk maybe about your own life and the things that you've had to overcome personally. What has pain and your life circumstances taught you about being courageous? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, yeah, I've how much of a story do you want? Um, I, I grew up overseas and our family, uh, was not accepted there. So <laughs> me and my brother were like severely bullied because we, they didn't want us there. Mm-hmm. So, um, though that was awful to go through as a kid, you, you learn so much about who you are and who you've been created to be. So, um, there are certain things I think that we will always wrestle with. So do I have a thought? Am I wanted? Do I belong? That's always nagging in the back of my head. It doesn't mean it's true. It doesn't mean that I don't belong or that I'm not wanted. It's just part of the scars I carry with me. Mm-hmm. Right? So being able to recognize the difference between those questions is truth versus those. That's just part of the part of your story. Right? Um, I think, yeah, I would probably have grown up afraid to speak. I was afraid to say anything in case it was controversial because I needed to keep, I needed to belong where I was, I needed to keep the friends I've had, or I had at that point. And so I've learned a lot about, you know, um, that actually Leanne on her own with nothing to offer has to be enough. Mm. And if that's not enough, then that's okay. But it's, yeah, I had to relook at how I did friendships, actually. I thought I had to earn them. And that was a lot of undoing to realize, actually, you don't have to earn friendships. Either people want them or they don't. And when you're trying to buy them, it just makes it uncomfortable for everybody. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Um, That's a huge lesson to learn. How did you translate it into adulthood? Because I don't know that that ever really goes away. Um, well, I didn't learn it until adulthood. Okay. So <laughs> I didn't learn it until adult. I didn't realize I was doing that. Okay. I think sometimes you just don't, you're so focused on moving forward that you don't even think to look back. And it wasn't until I was probably in my late twenties, early thirties that I started looking back and went, Oh, this is what I'm doing. Like I didn't realize how the, like the pain in the past was actually playing out in my future mm-hmm. until I looked back and went, Oh, I've got to stop doing this. I I have to be enough. How did you recognize that? It was an activity that I had to do. I was part of this group and we were talking about, um, yeah, like faith and identity and whatnot. And really just kind of looking at how past pain plays out in your future. And if you don't address it, you continue in these unhealthy patterns. And I just assumed that I didn't have any unhealthy patterns, (laughs) but I did. (laughs) So it was really helpful to kind of look back and go, oh, like, so like this bullying, this not belonging, this, this need to earn friendships, this is how it's playing out in my late twenties and thirties. That's crazy. There's gotta be a better way. Well, whoever did that exercise with you. I know. God bless them. Right? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's so good. Now, mm-hmm. before you before we go today, I just kind of want to give you an opportunity maybe to even just share um, a thought that you might have with um, a young woman who is maybe struggling to really be courageous and overcome fear. What would you say to her? Yeah, I get fear. Um, I wrestle with fear in my own head all the time. So 
somebody told me some once a while ago that um, there's really only two innate fears. We are born with a fear of loud noises and a fear of falling. Every other fear is either learned or we've taken on. And so like you can't be courage, you can't be courageous without fear. If you're not scared to do it, it's not going to require any courage. So like actually fear is the key ingredient to be courageous. It's okay to be afraid. It's okay to feel anxious when you go into social situations. It's okay to feel nervous on Monday going back to work. It's it's okay to feel afraid about starting something new. The point is you have to push through your fear. You just have to do it afraid. And I think that, you know, once we learn that it's okay to do something afraid, it's okay that all your ducks are in a row. It's okay that you may actually have to step out into something that is not secure footing because that is what makes a great story, right? Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to hear the story of how, you know, I started something and I had all the money I needed and all the resources I needed. It's a crappy story, (laughs) right? You need a big gap. You need a big gap in there. You need like, you know, like a red seed you know, being split in half. That's what makes it a good story. I mean, let me just give you a biblical analysis. I don't want to tune anybody out with this, but like, you know, God could have fed those Israelites when they were wandering the desert, when they were hungry and when they were thirsty. He waited till they were on the point of death. Why? A, it makes for a better story. But B, I think it also points back to him that nobody else could take credit for this except for him. Yeah. Life is a story. You know, and and it's a great one. Like, and people will learn from your story at the beginning of it, in the middle of it, and at the end of it too. Thank you so much for sharing that. That is super encouraging. I know that people are going to love to hear that. And I know for myself, it's it's good for me to take that in and put it in my heart as well. And um, so, thank you for for just sharing so transparently, Leanne. You are the real deal, my friend. You are seriously the real deal. And your story of um, how you guys have been able as a family to navigate job loss and starting out a whole new ministry, writing a book, raising kids, doing the whole thing has just been um, super inspiring. And I am so thankful that I get to be part of your life and that you're part of mine. So thank you for being on the Courage Cast today. Oh, thanks, Andrea, for having me. Thank you for being such an incredible cheerleader at the sidelines and along the way. I'm so grateful for you. Well, I love you. You're a great <laughs> friend. <laughs> Feel the same way. <laughs> well, I hope you were encouraged by Leanne's story, no matter what stage of life you're in, whether you're a parent raising kids, trying not to fall into the comparison trap, or whether you're a single woman like myself, trying to stay in your own lane and not allow comparison to take root in your life. I think we can all learn from her story that when life doesn't turn out the way we intended it, and if we're set back to start, that we have a choice, whether or not we give into fear or we embrace it and we use it to become more courageous. And I wanna thank you for listening to The Courage Cast. I am truly honored that you are taking this journey with me, and I would be so grateful if you share it with someone else. So to access today's show notes and to connect with Leanne, head over to thecouragecast.com. Until next time, you have everything you need to live bravely. If you like this episode of The Courage Cast, you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. The Courage Cast is produced by Stephen Crilly.